Hey, welcome to the first episode of Just Saying Everyday Conversations with myself, Snappy Bigman, and we will be joined in a moment with our co-host, Paul Vato of many uh, famous things that he has done over the years. He is a fellow improviser, cigar shop owner of Vato Cigars, located in Binion's uh, downtown uh, classic Vegas in a uh, b- uh, beautiful, beautiful city, beautiful store he's got there. Uh, Paul is also an improviser, as I said. He's been in movies on Mad TV. Uh, they said we have to uh, have some intro music eventually. We're doing this on such a low budget. It's, it's unbelievable. So we're going to just do this which is our logo for now until we raise enough money we'll do a a uh, kickstarter or something and so man i can't talk and write at the same time oh it fits barely i can't write There we go. Now we can use that. How's that look? Anyway, without further ado, let me introduce you to who? Mr. Paul Vado. How are you today, sir? I am wonderful. Thank you so much for having me as a co-host. I've been looking forward to this all year. Thank God it's early in the year. You know, and I know we, we were going to do this, what, a couple of weeks ago, and then uh, you were unscathed out there, but we had uh, the winter from hell come through across the whole country, kind of screwed up our first uh, shoot time. But I'm really glad that uh, when we decided to do this show that you, you decided to come on and be a co-host. We had a very short list. Uh, I don't want to build up your ego, but you were the only one I wanted anyway. There really was nobody else on the list. So if, if you didn't come on, we weren't going to do this. That, plain and simple. That's all there I is to it. I thought maybe everyone else just said no. Well, that happened too, but it was, you know... <laughs> We got to you really. We got to you before I got to number ten. So that's what counts. Wonderful, wonderful. That's hey. As long as it happened, I'm happy. I've I've been feeling so creative uh, lately. I I started a, a clubhouse group as well, and what was supposed to be an hour show turned into a three hour show wow. last night, and it was a Chicago based uh, show. But yeah, I'm just I'm so excited. I've always and I've done some podcasting before, but I, I'm really enjoying. Uh, this format that that we've been talking about so yeah we'll you know like we talked earlier and said we'll we'll figure out what we'll do exactly it's just it's something we've we've always done you've done it your whole life my whole life and it's just everyday conversations it's just getting to know people um and finding out what makes them tick what they like to do and everything else so let's start with you obviously because you're the only one here and me uh you're originally from the Chicago area. I am. I am from the Chicagoland area. I'm from Aurora, Illinois, which is probably best known as Wayne's World. Yes. And you so, just did a commercial, Uber Eats. I did, which was which I almost didn't, you know, I didn't go in there remembering or thinking that, hey, these guys are supposedly from Aurora, Illinois. Yeah. And then in the middle of this commercial, uh, 
I was, uh, of course, where you'll mostly always find me. If I'm not in, in, in my trailer or somewhere, I'm by the craft services. And I've got a whole rant on that, you know, whenever you want to hear it. And, uh, and I was talking, you know, I was talking to the producer and then something came up and I was like, yeah, I go, I'm from Aurora. And I kind of just threw it out from Aurora, Illinois. And, and he was like, wait, you're from Aurora? <laughs> like he thought I was like making it up. I'm like, yeah. And then I realized I'm like, yeah, I am from Aurora. And that's where Wayne's World is supposedly filmed. So yes. Yeah, it was, um, it was a Super Bowl commercial, but I wasn't in that Super Bowl edit, if you will. But it's uh, up. It's up online. If you just go to the Uber Eats uh, a channel on YouTube, you can find it. I call it a commercial film because it's two and a half hours long. Uh, they thank every single Uber Eats client. So every restaurant that's on Uber Eats uh, in the fifty United States. Yeah, I saw uh, that. That was. I saw the whole the, the commercial. I thought that was really cool how they did it too. Now I haven't seen you in a while. And I know on your bio that you're sporting the uh, fancy beard and mustache too, which threw me off when you came out as uh, as Garth, uh, and 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 I'm like going, oh my God, that's him. That you know, and it was just, but it was fun. It it looked like you guys had a good time on that. And then they had how many how many Waynes and Garths did they have? I want to say there must have been four pairs. So four of each, but they kind of cycled us in. So it right. looked like maybe there, yeah. there could be more or, but th th there were at least four of each. And then they would couple us up uh, with different, you know, so there was, you know, an African-American Wayne and then, and an Asian Garth and vice versa. And, you know, I was a, a big Latino, hairy Garth, which was kind of funny. If you go, if you go on my Instagram at Paul Vato, You'll, you'll, I was, I managed to take a few photos, and then Wardrobe was nice enough to send over some photos after the commercial. Oh, aired. nice, nice. And uh, so, so you'll see it. But this is a product of, you know, uh, being in quarantine uh, about a year ago. After two weeks in, I was like, why am I even shaving? And I've never had a beard, definitely nothing this long. And my hair has been long, uh, but not this long. And so. Now that I have an agent, he's like, yeah, you're going to have to cut all that because in order to get more work, you're going to have to be clean cut. So I'm waiting for my, I just signed with him, so I'm waiting for my first audition and then this oh, nice. will probably be all gone within the next week or so. If it's a paying job, of course the beard and the mustache goes right away. Gone. Out. There you go. There you go. So you started, you're from Aurora. And yes. you started at improv, improv. How long ago was that? Did you you got into improv? That would have been back in the late 1900s. Oh my God! Uh, because I actually I owned uh, my first business was in Oberweiss Dairy of Geneva. It was called, and it was a uh, part of the Oberweiss ice cream empire in Aurora, which which I had nothing to do with that. I just had this franchise if you will in geneva illinois and but you were and then in that, that beginning building him into a a major player so you did have a part in overwise's success too i would like to think i did but you know they'd already been around they've been around and i wish i remembered their history but probably since the 30s or 40s you know delivering milk and glass bottles fantastic product i mean when i bought the place i was i was 200 pounds Seven years later, when I sold it, I was 300 pounds. So that's how good 
how good it is. <laughs> That's how good it is. I didn't realize there were so many calories in eggnog. Oh my goodness, you know. So around the the holidays, it was ridiculous. You know, I would just drink it by the pint, not realizing. You know, I wasn't raised with with an appreciation for calories and how to count calories and things like that. So. But that ice cream is so good. I don't know if you've... If oh, I've had it. I've had it. I had their milk okay, and so stuff, you know. too. They're, they're actually down in the St. Louis area, or used to be. I haven't got it in a while. But, yeah, they... You know, it's funny when you when you find somebody... They are big, but when they still have that uh, family touch to it and that yes. quality product, yeah, when you take that taste, you just make those noises. It's like, oh, yeah, this is good it, stuff. It, and, and we had it was a, like a $5 milkshake, which at the time was unheard of. Now when I go out, you know, milkshake seven bucks, I'm like, oh, I should have just stayed in that business. Uh, you know, but that was unheard of because milkshakes were, 50, you know, 80 cents. I was going to say uh, they weren't, yeah, cents, $5. Cents, what made it a $5 milkshake? I mean. The cost of, of the product, you know, where I would get ice cream in, you know, three gallon tubs. And I was, I'm thinking that at the time, I could have bought a three gallon tub from somebody else for probably $15. This was almost twice as much, probably $30, which again, you know, this was in 93, 94, 95, around that time. So that was, we had to sell them for about $5 you know, to, to, make a, to make a profit. But that was unheard of until like Pulp Fiction came out and there was the whole scene about the $5 milkshake. Oh yeah, um, yeah the movie But now it's just commonplace. You, you can't even get a juice for less than seven bucks uh, for, for a healthy juice or for a milkshake, so. Oh, anymore, yeah. And you know, but and we have Uber Eats that will deliver your milkshake for you too now. Yes, they will. So please use Uber Eats. Uh, and, and they've been chopping up all these commercials because Cardi B's in the commercial Alice Cooper. So they've been chopping up these commercials and and, they've, and they have a ton of footage. So they've been uh, putting them out on Twitter. So I'll, so if you go to my also my t Twitter at Paul Vato, I've been retweeting a lot and you know just uh, I, I feel like you know they're 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 doing a good thing. You know they're trying to get people to support local business and you know social distance well it is so. it, you know it, it, look i'm like a lot of folks i'll keep my true comments to a minimum but it's tough it's tough with this going on and and to see people support local and see uber eat step up like that was is a great thing anybody locally if you can go out and every every place seems to be different too you don't know what the rules are you know whether you mask we should all mask social distance uh but yeah you miss that it's like having the uh what is it, the old psychological test you you get a plate of cookies put in front of you and they say you can have anything you want but the oreo and you i miss going out i never i never even went out that much i cook uh, I enjoy it very much. For me to go out is because I don't want to clean up. Actually, it's because my wife doesn't want to clean up because I do the chef and then she's the she's the dishwasher. Um, she'll be happy to hear that. But uh, so we would go out. But man, when you can't go, it it's tough. It sure. is tough you, not to yeah, be able to. You, you want to go? Oh yeah, so, I miss it. Absolutely. I got a buddy of mine who, when this first started back in you know last year, March, April, or something. I think we got into May, and he looks at me and he goes, "All I want to do is just go out and have a burger and a beer," and I'm like, "Yeah, this will end soon." The other day, I was talking to somebody, and I said the same thing. I said, "I just want to get a burger 
and a beer. I just want to go somewhere else and sit down and have somebody bring that to me. And we're getting there. I mean, it seems like things are getting better and we'll just have to ride out the storm. That's the way it is right exactly. now. You know, exactly. keep a level so, head, keep it up. That's it. Yep, that's keep it, it positive. And do what you do for the community, whether you like it or not, baby. We're all in it, so let's just get along with it. There you go. So let's get to uh, back to you said something about the the craft table. So what was going on during this during the shoot? Uh, I feel like that. So, and I I think in the long run, it's probably going to save them some money because how they're doing it now because of 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 COVID protocols and social distancing. They have somebody in charge of the, at least on this shoot, they had somebody in charge of the craft services, which meant somebody like you sitting there at a table and you go up to them and you're like, oh, uh, may I get a bag of potato chips? May I get a, a bar, uh, you know, an energy bar and some coffee, you know, uh, the coffee I think we were doing ourselves. But so they're giving it to you, whereas before, you know, you look around, no one's around, you go up to the craft services and you load up and you take it back to your table or to your t- trailer. And then every time you go, you're, you're grabbing two or three bars. Well, I probably shouldn't be saying this because I, I think everybody does it. I don't know. I, I learned from some actors in L.A. where they're like, yeah, load up. And then now you've got snacks for the rest of the week, even if you're only working one day. Oh, everybody now, does it. Everybody like- does. All the years, all the years I was on the road. And you'd have the uh, free breakfast, and there's the yogurts and the bagels, and I would grab a few of those and take them back up to the room. I brought groceries home sometimes when I was gone for a week. I was like, I got yeah. breakfast taken care of for the rest of the month. So yeah, no, everybody does that. You know that. Well, okay, perfect. I don't feel so bad. But it also forced me to eat a little bit healthier because I, I was almost embarrassed to go like, oh yeah, give me some chips and some uh, red vines. Instead, I was like, oh, give me an edge bar. Give me give me a cliff bar and a banana, you know, which is, <laughs> so it, it kind of shamed me into eating a little bit better and it probably saved them some money. So I'm like, well, whatever they're spending on this guy to sit there for the eight hours, 15 hours, you know, whatever we're there, it's probably more than paid for itself from, from the savings from oh, sure. other people just not cleaning them out, so. I just thought it was kind of funny that that's the way, but you know, same with the food that we, we placed the order three, you know, three days before we, we got a menu and they, they had a you know, meat option, chicken, uh, fish and vegetarian. And you would pick what your option was. And, 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 and then when you're on set, it was at, at, at uh, the commissary, you know, whatever area they'd set up that there was a food truck there and they, so they had everything packaged with wrapped and saran wrap with your name on it. And if you wanted salad or, or dessert, when you go up to that table, they would hand it to you on a tray and then, you know, you, you would pick it up. So very aware of, you know, protocol and, and there's a, a COVID officer as they're called on set at all times. Whereas if you're, if you're not in a scene, mask up, walk, you know, walk, walk back to, to where, where they, they have you and, when they need you, they'll call you. So there's not a lot of socializing, but everybody trades their the their text their their phone numbers, and we're just texting with each other from across the the, the, the set, or you know, from one trailer to the other trailer. So it's like everyday life. Everybody just texts anymore. Yeah. Nobody has a, a regular conversation face to face. But 
It is what it is. So they didn't have an option on there, did they? Like all the above, then I take it on the menu. No, I don't have one of no, these, one of these, and, one of these, one of these. And normally, of course, if it's if it's a buffet style, you know, again, you can load up. And this time it was just like, well, I can't really grab a second helping because I'm taking somebody else. I mean, you'd literally be stealing somebody else's food because their name is on there. So no, they 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 were they didn't give you the option of. Yeah, okay, I'll take one of each. Yes, well, I may be hungry later. I don't know how long the shoot's going to go on for. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Were you ever tempted to kind of just go, oh, I'll just peel this name off and bring your own sure. Dymo oh, tape? Yeah. And, you know, no, it says Vado. That's mine. Yeah, uh, yeah, because it, it's, I, I chose the vegetarian option. And then, and then I saw that the salmon looked really good, and I was like, "Oh, I should just, I could just take it." <laughs> Can I trade? Was this like the old school lunches? You know, I got, I got, I got a pudding cup and a Cliff Bar, which I'll trade you for that piece of salmon and two asparagus. You, yeah, you could do that, but but it was like on a fancier level because everything, if anything, you know, they, and I, and especially on this set, I guess because you know it's, it's an Uber Eats shoot. Everybody was fed really well, and and that's kind of the secret. If you're, especially if you're on a budget and you're shooting a budget and you're using up a lot of favors and friends, and the food is always usually pretty good because they want to keep the actors happy and and oh, sure. everyone that's kind of working for nothing or next to nothing. So so on this side where there's actually money and people are getting paid, it was still really really good. It was yeah, it was. It, it's always pretty good. But yeah, you can definitely trade. Yeah, let me trade you this. Let me trade you this. For that and. Well, you know what? Next, next one you're on. Can you bring a personal assistant to lunch? I would just throw that out there. That because uh, now you made me hungry. I had like a piece of toast this morning coming in. I'm trying to eat healthier, so toast with a lot of peanut butter and jelly. But it was sure. only one piece. But I figure, you know, sure. next shoot, yeah, we'll definitely. Uh, uh, I'm out of coffee. Can 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 somebody get me? This is great having the this at Midco Studio is where we're at in St. Louis. Uh, they're fantastic people. Thank you so much. Uh, we want to do this show and we want to do it on a level, uh, trying to adhere to your level personally. Uh, and man, I'm out of coffee. And they go get me coffee. This is well worth the seven dollars and fourteen cent rental for this studio that I'm paying them. This is Wonderful. not bad. Uh, what kind of coffee are they getting? Well, of, of course, our, uh, our sponsor, which is me, Snappy Bigman Coffee. Today we are drinking the uh, Havana Rose, which was the original uh, that we started with. Golly knows how many years. I, uh, I started uh, roasting coffee for fun. And when I was on the road, I would take it with me. It was how the, how the business started. It actually was never supposed to be a business. It's worked out very well. I took the coffee with me to, to shops uh, and would do that during uh, uh, events. I would do a coffee and cigar pairing, explain to people what to do. Uh, and eventually what happened, thank you so much. Uh, I would... Uh, go through and, and explain the, the differences, the variances, the flavor pairings. And the guys would eventually, it was usually the customers would call me back and say, hey, Paul is pouring Folgers again. Now I'll take Folgers money anytime, but you know, and they're like, why don't you sell your coffee? And so it started off, I would bring it in a Ziploc bag, made a tag for it, just a 
address label, stuck that on there, had more people want it, more people want it. So we're developing a, uh, redoing our website. We have it online. Thank you for that uh, blatant uh, segue to a plug. I appreciate that. Uh, hold on, let me enjoy this a little bit. That's wonderful. You know, I've always had a passion for the coffee business because uh, going back to, to 93 when when, when, when I bought the, that Oberweiss Dairy, mm -hmm. it was Oberweiss Dairy of Geneva. Uh, we were, well, we were Geneva Dairy, DBA, uh, Oberweiss Dairy Oberweiss of Geneva. Dairy. Because, you know, they own the Oberweiss name, but we kind of used it. Right. And, and uh, because of that, but we only bought their, their dairy products, their ice cream, their milk and glass bottles. We were at the train station in Geneva, Illinois. And, but then we, we, we sold coffee, not a lot, but there was a small, and I was like, what? there's this thing called espresso. Like it was, I feel like it was just getting out there. Uh, espresso and maybe Starbucks was just starting to be seen or, you know, fancy coffee, this espresso. So I went out and bought an, a, a nice espresso machine and, you know, the, with the double, it was an industrial espresso machine, but we already sold a little bit of coffee because we had a few convenience store items. I, I, I don't know if coffee is a convenience store item, but. Oh, it's we, always we there. I mean, any place you go into, they've got that bun double burner with the, you know, you got to have the orange handle and God knows it's never decaf in there. Trust me. They just put yes. those pots under. So we, we were selling cups of coffee probably for like 50 cents because it was all old timers. They were all you know, like in their 80s and they were all, but they were there every day and I didn't want to shoo them away because they love going there. So I never raised the price on them. But when I got there, I was like, no, a cup of coffee is like at least a dollar or two bucks. But for them, and they all died off eventually. So it was, it was horrible. <laughs> there, so. Yeah, you know, what happened to the business? Now they all died. I miss them. Yeah, they, well, they, yeah. Were, they, they were all, you know, uh, great guys, a great group of guys that would meet there every morning. So I'd have to make sure that I was open on time and they paid 50 cents a cup. And I was like, well, I'm going to honor that because they've been doing that for years and God forbid I raised the price. I didn't even, it, it didn't even cross my mind. I'm like, you know, they've been good customers of the previous owner. Sure. I'm going to just leave it that way. And eventually they'll, they'll be gone. And the, the, <laughs> then I can raise prices. Got charged the new price. What's that? And uh, L the last one left. He's okay. We're raising the price to a dollar. We're going to make it a buck. There you go. That was it. And when the last one was was the last man standing, it was like, all right, now everybody from now on, there's no, there are no discounts. It's already inexpensive enough. But I met Nicholas Papa Nicholas, who's uh, in the coffee business in the Chicagoland area. Okay. Self-made man. He became a, a mentor to me, uh, and he, he passed away. Uh, it's already it's been maybe twenty years now, but and he was I think he was sixty nine when he passed away. But he he was a strong man, and he was he was a, a he was Greek. His family had been in the coffee business since like the 1800s, uh, and he and his brother, like a lot of family business, had had a falling out. So his brother side of the family still has Aroma Coffee, which I believe is in you know in Chicago. Yes, but Nick yeah. started his own Napco. Nicholas Angelo Papa Nicholas. Uh, Nicholas Papa Nicholas and Sons Coffee Company, and he started it out of his garage. So he was a he was an inspiration to me, and and so I sold a lot of his coffee. And but we became more friends than than business associates. He would take me on his on his you know to go collect money to like Treasure Island in Chicago, and 
people would look at me like, what's this Mexican kid doing with this old Greek guy? And he would introduce me as Stavros Milos, which means like Stevie Apple. Like, I don't know why. He just said, yeah, this is my nephew, Stavros Milos. Stavros Milos, and people, my and, nephew. And I'd go like, eh, te cañes, you know, in Greek. Like, how, how are you? And they're like, ah, cala. Like, what? Like, what's going on here? Why is this? He looks Mexican, but he's, okay, Stavros. Okay, Stavros, you know. So I would help him, you know, <laughs> go, go, go in his collections. And even though he didn't have to, but he liked hanging out with his old Greek friends that, that owned grocery stores and restaurants. It was more about us going there and, and shooting, shooting the, the crap with, with these business, other business owners. Oh, sure. So I became really good friends with him. And so I've always had a, a passion for the coffee business. Oh, it's it's great. I've had many a conversation. I'm going to put this over here because every time I set the cup down, I, I, I notice that it knocks on the table. And then the young lady over here who's watching everything does this. Oh, he's making a put a, put a coaster down. We don't want to ruin the finish of this table, so I'll just move the notebook there so I don't do it anymore. She's going, oh, stop. But well, so you had the coffee business until not all oh, look at look, man, I'm telling you, seven dollars and 14 cents an hour to rent this studio. And I get a monogrammed coaster so I don't ruin the finish. It still makes noise. I'm just going to leave it over here. I'll just hold this. I'm going to put this in my pocket. See if I, I'm going to see if I can get, I'll see how many of these I can collect over the next few shoots that we do. That's in my pocket. I'll see if I can make it out past security. But you had the, you had the, the, the old rice and you sold that when? 2000. In 2000. Now, yes. were you doing improv then? Had you started in improv? So you, you were owning the shop and you started up, up in Chicago. And where did yes. you start your studies at? At Improv Olympics. So okay. I what, what happened in, in 93, and I remember having this, this talk with myself, I, I was like, okay, do I want to, because I was, I was a business broker. I was selling businesses for other people oh, okay. uh, or, or two other people. And so, so I was like, it's like a real estate agent, but, oh, but for businesses, sure, mostly medium, sure. to medium sized businesses, but anywhere from, you know, a $10,000 business to a quarter of a million or a million dollar business. So, so I found this shop that wasn't being run very well because the owner had like three other Dairy Queens so no fault of his own you know he couldn't be everywhere right so yeah. well, you, he had you, like a niece running it and i remember walking in there and they were behind the counter smoking on the phone and customers were like kind of walking in walking out and it was at a train station so i'm like customers need to be at least acknowledged because they're worried that they're going to miss the train even though the train won't leave till you know five after the hour but it was all you know so i was like there's a lot of a, a potential here and he'd he was tired of running it because he wasn't making any, any money because, you know, they were not maybe not stealing, but they weren't charging everyone. Their, their friends would come in and that's still stealing for free. So I was like, that's still stealing. I mean, I get it. But yeah, that's still I've always had a I own businesses, too. And that's one of the things which customer service is where you got to be. Like you say, I like this, too. Especially. They're on the phone. This was back in the day because this means this is a phone with a cord to it. Yes. And I was told the other yeah. day by my my uh, my son that this is now when you're on the phone. 
Yes, it's not this anymore. Yeah, I was like, I was on the phone. He's like, oh, no, you do this now. And I'm like, man, I got it. it's never this. Oh, never this. No, no, it's never that, is it? Have you done that you on stage that you're before? You're not an improviser. If you do this, you're like, that guy's not an improviser. I, you know what? I remember one time being on there, and I did this, and I was like, oh, wait, got to do that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, those little goofy I will do things. I this, though, and go, oh, it's because I'm using a... I got a headset. I have a headset, so I do know what I'm doing. There you but, go. Uh, so I, I do remember in 93 going, well, okay, do I buy this? You know, and he gave me a, a, you know, he financed a lot of it as well. So I'm like, do I buy this business or do I move into Chicago and start doing stand-up? Because I wanted to do stand-up. I go, you know, learn how to do stand-up, go and move into Chicago. And I was like, well, realistically, the smarter choice is, is I have this opportunity for this business. So let me buy this business. So. I put that on hold for another like five years. So 93, 94, 94, yeah, like 97 actually. So four years later is when I started, uh, you know, I, I met one of my customers. She was like, oh my gosh, she goes, you know, you're so funny. You should take, you know, do improv. So she gave me a lady's number that was teaching improv out of her, out of her home using, was it Viola Spolin's book? I, I oh think yeah, it was Vi- yeah. Viola. Spolin's book, and and I forget what that lady's name is, but we we met at, at her house and started like doing just improv exercises, and then I took some classes at College of DuPage for acting, and it was called like the Young Actors Workshop, and it was a Chad Allen, who I think is still acting, and Heather Tom and Nicole Tom, and they were like they'd been like child actors, and there was there were only like maybe eighteen nineteen at that time. So they got us all excited about acting. And then I, I think I went through the phone book and, and looked up, you know, improv or, or you know, stand up Chicago and the improv, Olymp- the improv Olympic came up. So I, again, just didn't know the difference between improv and stand up. So I, I trek into Chicago and I'm, I'm at that first class and, and Sharna, the owner of improv Olympic is, mm-hmm. you know, everyone introduced themselves and I'd already paid for the class. So I like, Hey, I'm, I'm Paul. Uh, people call me Vato, Paul Vato. Uh, I'm here because I want to learn how to do stand-up. And she's like, let me stop you right there. Like, we don't do stand-up. We do improv. And she kind of said it in a way, and I was kind of like, well, I go, you know what? I guess teach me what you guys do, and if I like it, I'll stick around. And then on that Monday, I went to go see the Armando show. I don't know if you're familiar with the yes. uh, the, the Armando mm-hmm. improv show. The, the, at the time, it was called the Armando Diaz Theatrical Experience in Hootenanny. And I was blown away by, by what was long form improvisational comedy. And I was like, oh my God, like, how did they do that? You know, you don't know all the little tricks of the trade and, and how this improv is done. It just, it was, I was like, these people are brilliant. And some of them became my friend later on, Abby Shackner, uh, who's from Ohio. Uh, she, and I remember, and her father is a dentist or, you know, I still remember like some of her stories. And that was the first time I ever saw that. And then they, they brought her stories to life. And I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. How do they do that? So then I started driving into Chicago to study at Improv Olympic. And my mom by that time was helping me at at, at Geneva Dairy at Oberweiss. So because she was able to help me, then I would drive into the city and I would, I would take classes. And that was, yeah, 97. And then I put together the uh, Salsation, which... Uh, a Latino improv and sketch comedy group, and then went to the second city as well. So I was from like 97 to 2000, 
taking classes, a little bit at the Annoyance Theater with Joe Bill, um, and then putting together Salsation because after I went through, I studied with Del Close, uh, and I studied with him by. Oh, you got to you got to study with Del Close. See, that would be so for me. I mean, I've studied with some great people, the teachers that we have here in St. Louis at the improv shop. I actually took my first improv lessons at Second City, uh, which was freaking fantastic. Uh, And I got an improv way later in life. I always wanted to do the same things, acting and stuff, and just never had, honestly, the self-discipline or... I think sometimes the courage to take that step, uh, being a kid, I remember being in school plays and stuff like, and loved it, just loved it. Uh, same thing, wanted to take uh, comedy lessons, stand-up comedy and things like that. Uh, got my first lessons as a gift, actually, uh, from some customers uh, and did uh, Second City. And then didn't do anything for a little while. And the improv shop had been around here in St. Louis. uh, Started, I believe, at Tin Can Alley. It was a bar they started teaching. They got their own place. And so I signed up for, I think it was a six-week course, uh, the first lessons that you go through. And have really met some great people and really learned a lot. And miss it now because everything's shut down. They still do it on virtual, you know, online, but yeah, just miss being there with the audiences and stuff like that. It's, uh, it'll get back there. I'd love to do it again. I'd love to be on stage with you sometime and, and, and to be able to do a little improv. Oh, I I would, I would love that. Yes. Yeah. Maybe we can even do like an online improv show that might. Oh yeah, definitely. Definitely also work I'm, i mean definitely and i know some people are, are starting to you know they've been doing that while you know you have to get creative and but there there's nothing like being on stage with someone else you know with with your group or with how many other people doing improvisational comedy that's oh yeah yeah the sure. groups I, that, that i got to play with a couple of the groups i got to play with, everybody was fantastic and there is there's something about that feeling that when you're out there and you allow yourself to be so vulnerable and yet you know everybody there has got your back and it's just empowering so that you can really reach out and do things you never thought you would do you just went with it and it was always such a good time it was such a rush for me and i will continue to do it definitely but uh yeah yeah, I, I, like I say, I do miss go. I miss going to the shows. I've seen some online, uh, but when you're there by yourself watching the show, it's kind of like this is the reverse opposite of a one-man show, and I kind of like yeah. my own laugh annoys me. So, you know, when I'm the only one there and I can't cover it up, I'm like, oh, but it'll get there. It, 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 it will. Now, you said you started later they say later in life because so, mm-hmm. so did i i mean i didn't take uh theater classes and i was i was not in school plays i i, I always found it interesting but i was I, I wrestled in high school and but i remember them putting on because we you know we were a small catholic school so we would share the gym so while they're like rehearsing up on stage we were on the floor doing our wrestling and right you know everyone was angry at each other because we're interrupting them they're interrupting us but that i always found it very interesting and just 
you know, being, I think, naturally funny, but trying to study comedy, I was always a big fan of stand-up. Um, so yeah, I didn't start, I think my first class was like when I was 26, 27, which I feel was, was, was later than most people. Okay, mine so, was way later than that. Really? Uh, okay. Yes, wow, I, yes. I wanted to do it for a long time. I had actually thought of moving to Chicago years and years ago. Uh, there was a um, comedian that came through. His wife worked for a radio station here. He was pretty big back in the, I'm going to say 80s, 90s. I mean, he was on the circuit. He was doing the improv comedy shop uh, shows and things. And you would see him on different television specials and stuff um, and talk to him. And, and he gave me some advice and stuff. And it was one of those. Then I knew some folks that went up there. Uh, a few people from St. Louis, and just, again, never pulled the trigger. Didn't kick myself for it, but it just, at that time, wasn't right. And as you get older, my son was getting older, uh, I was like, I'm gonna go for it. And then I really got into it when he uh, left for college, and I had time, so, and then, it, then that's when I really did kick myself, because I'm like, if I knew I was gonna have this much fun, I would have done it 20 years ago. <laughs> right, right, you right. I course. still had a good time, but man, the fun I have when I'm on stage is great. Now, you said you started Salsation, yes. which is a Latin f flavor of we improv. We call it that, yeah. And, and, and to, be, uh, you know, to be perfectly honest and transparent, it was, it was myself and, and a young lady uh, Tilda Del Toro, whom I had, I did the clubhouse with yesterday. I was going to say, I saw it, yeah, when you invited me. Unfortunately, you're forcing me to get an upgrade phone. Thank you so much. We talked about that earlier this morning. I Definitely. The get get an upgraded phone. I will get an uh, upgraded phone. <laughs> because clubhouse has, has been so much fun. Now, I don't want it to take take away from our, from our podcasting here, but I think it could work together. Uh, hand in hand with this, what where we we use Clubhouse to promote the podcast. Oh sure, and vice yeah. versa. Uh, so so we we put together last minute two days ago. We were like, well, what what should we do? What what's Clubhouse needing? And I even like googled it, uh, the name Chicagoans in Hollywood, and nothing. I think there was one article of like the Chicago guys, like Joe Montana and all those guys sure. that came up that was written in like 2012 or something like that. That was like the only thing online that was Chicagoans in Hollywood. So I was like, you know what? Let me get the website and see if this turns into anything. So so, uh, so Tilda and I kind of had the same, the idea at the same time. It was floating out there in the ethos uh, that, you know, what we need is a Latino improv group, you know, that to, to, to share the Latino experience or the voice. Because as they wrote in one of, of our reviews, you know, and that improv, I think, to this day is still the same. And, and, and that's who does improv. It's mostly you know, straight white guys doing improv, uh, where it was most teams would have, you know, four or five guys, one girl, if that, uh, you know, maybe one person of color. And if, if he happened to be African-American or, or Latino, then you're you're instantly the, the landscaper or you were, you know, a pimp, If you know, so. so pretty much like Hollywood still is today then. Yeah, it, it pretty much still is, you know. Still I, that I way. a great article. Even in the UK, you know, it's the same thing, you know, but they're, you know, they're, everyone's actively, now that I've gotten back into acting, I mean, they are literally actively trying to destroy that and, and make it so that it's more inclusive, where, you know, if you're Latino, a, a Latino female, you're not instantly the maid, 
you know, it's like, well, why can't she be an attorney? Why can't she be what everybody else is? You know, so the, but you know, so we, we were really the first that came out of the improv world and sketch. So I like to say that we're the first Latino improv and sketch comedy group. There have been obviously other sketch comedy groups. So we were comedy with a Latin flavor because all of us were pretty much, I think all of us were US born. English was our first language, but we happened to be, you know, like my parents, my father was from Mexico, my mom from Texas, but her parents from Mexico, you know, so Mexican American. Then we had, you know, Tilda who's Spanish, you know, her parents, uh, one of her parents from Spain. Well, I guess like all, all, somewhere along the line, they're from Spain, but you know, maybe her dad uh, from Spain, but then, you know, Puerto Rican and Dominican and Amr Arboleda, who was uh, half Pakistani and half Colombian, you know, so we opened it up to everybody. And also because we had to, because at first it was just me and Tilda, like, wait, are there are there any other Latinos? And the only other Latinos that were really around was Armando Diaz, but he was beyond, you know, he wasn't going to help us out and do the show because he was already famous, you know, Chicago famous. And right. Horatio Sands was making his way to Saturday Night Live already. So mm-hmm. he was, we kind of considered him our godfather, you know, because he, he had already been through the program, had already done shows with the Upright Citizens Brigade, but he was already on the Second City uh, <coughs> ETC stage. Pardon me. And so he was already, you know, making his way to <coughs> to New York. So we're like, well, oh. who's available? So that's what we did. Uh Oh, what happened? I got a sneeze coming on. I love this. (coughs) I just get choked up at your stories. That's what it is. Oh, thank you. Yes. It's very emotional. Emotional. Go on, please. I know I'm going to sneeze sometime during this. (laughs) You know, we we pitched different (coughs) names as as you want to do when you put together a group. And it was, you know, I, I think I was like, oh, well, we should call it Mostly Brown. I don't know. You know, like we were trying to come up with funny names and then there was a song by i think it's by the bg's called salsation and it kind of we were like yeah that has a ring to it salsation uh so so we became salsation with a upside down exclamation point and an exclamation point comedy with a latin flavor it's the same logo that i think i designed back you know 20 some years ago when we started the group is still going on in chicago and and, and it's all it's had different incarnations you know different different people and i i'd love to you know get back but then the founding members were were you know uh, Amr and and joe nunez myself and well and tilda and then and we had a director keith privet and i i know i'm, I'm missing a couple of people because it was kind of like that first season of snl and then you forget like and then the second season somebody else shows up you're like oh yeah yeah they were also one of the founding members but they were there you know like a few months after we started and we put together this great show uh, that ended up being called Touched by an Anglo. And it found some some success in Chicago, like what was supposed to be a one month run uh, at Second City up at Donnie Skybox turned into a two month run, then a three month run, then a four month run. And then uh, and it was, I think we were just doing it once a week or maybe twice a week, you know, like Fridays and Saturdays. But then we're like, well, let's add a third day, but down in Pilsen which is the, the big predominantly. So we kind of brought like, we felt like we were bringing theater to the community that really, and and, and, and I, you know what, that's what it was. Is I think it was like, we launched that show and it wasn't theater season, uh, but like Aubrey said, he goes, Latinos don't know what theater se- season is. So we, we launched it not during theater season. And I think maybe we would do it like on a Thursday or 
maybe we do Friday there and then Saturday at, at Second City. I, I don't. I have to go back and, and see if I can remember all this. And so, like Amr said, like Latinos don't know what theater season is. So for them, it's like we launched this show and it became a hit down there. So we were doing two shows in Chicago, and then you know, so some of us then decided like, oh, you know what? Maybe it's time to make that move to L.A. Let's take the show to L.A. And that was right around 2000. Okay. Uh, that that we kind of decided to and not you know Amr's a pharmacist, so he couldn't just up and leave. And the other people didn't want to. They they're like, no, you know, Chicago's our home. We love doing improv here, and we we also had little little. There's a there's a documentary on YouTube about Salsation. If anybody, oh, I've seen it. I, yeah, you and you guys it, uh, should check it out. It's it's a good little documentary. I I really did enjoy it. Um, so you, who went to LA then? Three of us. Just, so so the, the the group broke not broke up. Well, kind of broke up once uh, because there were people from the schools of thought of. Uh, we're an improv group that happens to do sketches. And then, and then the other half of us, me being in that latter half, because we'd already been to Second City, we're like, no, no, no. We're going to use improv as a tool to develop a show. Then we're going to put up a show with sketches with some improv games maybe in the middle to show people that we could improvise. And then an improv set at the end, just like Second City, that formula works right. to show the people that, hey, man, these, wow, these guys put up a solid show. And then they're also improvisers. The other half were like, no, we're improvisers and improv is the finished product. You know, it's like jazz. It's, it's you know, we're an improv group. Every show is going to be improvised. So we kind of we're like, well, then, you know, I guess, you know, good luck to you. <laughs> Go start your own. And they were kind of like, well, good luck to you because you guys probably won't make it. And so that was like Ricky Carmona. And, and he talks about it in the documentary. That's why I, I, I kind of remember that. You know, so they're like, no, we're improvisers. We just want to improvise. You know, we don't want to do sketch. So... We ended up losing like half of our members, so maybe we were because at one point we probably had seven or eight people. So the the half that wanted to stay stayed Salsation, and and you know we we worked to rebuild. But I think that's where we brought in like Paula, what was her name, Paula Gomez, and then and then Sean, I forget what his last name was, but he was like a tall Cuban guy, you know, but all all American guys, you know. So so we kind of rebuilt it. And then the, I think that's when we went down to Austin to the Big Stinking Improv Festival. So now the people that left the group, they were like, oh, man, they're, you know, then they came to see the show. And like Ricky said, he was blown away. He goes, man, I should have never left because that show was raucous. It was funny and it was it was smart and it had something for everybody. You know, the title alone was funny. You know, at the time it was topical because Touched by an, by an Angel was, uh, was on TV. So we were touched by an Anglo. So the show name was funny to begin with. We did sketches anywhere from monologues, you know, that Ramon, he did a, like a poor uh, Cuban farmer, a hibado they're called, you know, and it was talking about the internet, like how the internet changed uh, his, his children. He goes, he didn't want anything to do with computers, but the internet taught him how to build a fence quicker, you know. And then there, um, our closing number, we were the Wetback Street Boys. So we were a boy band that uh, I don't know if, if we could say that now. I, you, you know, know what? Have... I, it's funny you bring that up because I was just having a discussion with a friend of mine and the dynamics or shall we say the landscape of comedy is where you can say something depending on the age and the generation where it's funny and not offensive, but to some, it's like you can't say that anymore. But it's no. not said with hate. 
It's not. It's not that. Set with it, disrespect. I have a feeling that Latinos would still laugh at the fact that we call ourselves the Wetback Street Boys, which, if uh, for, for the two people that don't know what a wetback is, it's it's a it's a derogatory term for traditionally Mexican people that that swam across the river. Across the river. Where literally you can just walk across the river. You know, I'm like, well, it's the Europeans that are wetbacks because they have to cross a whole ocean. We just have to cross a river. You know, that was always our our little joke with that. But I have a feeling that nowadays it might, it probably wouldn't be Latinos that look at us and go like, oh, you can't say that. That's offensive. And I, I you know, I want to give people credit, so I, I hope that they wouldn't do that. I don't but, think there's always going to be that one person. There's, there's, yes. we know there's, we, there is one for every group. They would give you the, oh, you can't say that. Oh my goodness, you're that. just, and, and they're not part of that group. They're not Latino, they're not uh, African-American. Uh, it doesn't matter if you can go back, uh, they're not Italian. It's like, well, you can't say that. That's just, that's, right. that's not right. That's mean. It's funny. It's kind of, you know, we're not made with disrespect. It's, it is, it is a changing thing. And that's one of the things when we would do improv, I would have, uh, your mind's always going. And once in a while I would say something and in, I'm in the scene and, but all of a sudden you're going, oh shit, did I piss somebody off? And I'm like, eh, who cares? Right. They'll get over it. Yeah. I mean, and, and. I, as actors and as, as improvisers, and especially if you're doing, you know, you're, you're almost doing social commentary. So sometimes, you know, you're, you're going to, to cross the line a little bit, but then how do you know where the line is type of a thing? You know, a lot of stand-ups now won't even do college gigs because they, they the things, and, and these are even people like Jerry Seinfeld, I feel like, and he's a clean comic, you know, but there's comics that, that they don't want to get canceled. So they're not, they're not even going to take college gigs, you know, just for fear that they might say the wrong thing and then and then they're done. True. That's, you know. Yeah, Jerry, I couldn't, I didn't, yeah, he's clean all the way around. So, do you do a Jerry well, impression? Why? Why would I be able to do a Jerry impression? I don't know. What's I with Paul Votto doing a Jerry? Oh my, I don't get it. I don't play colleges anymore. What is with these campuses? What's with these campuses? Hey, they can't afford me. So why would I? <laughs> I'll just get coffee in cars with comedians. There you go. And that's it. You know, we have to create create our own shows. So so yeah, that's so in, in 2000, we made the move. And then of course, the, the three or four people that stayed back were like, well, no, you can't use the Salsation name. Salsation is here in Chicago and it's this group. It's not, it's not Joe Nunez. Uh, it's not Diane Herrera, Joe Nunez and Paul Vato. Uh, there was, so there was just three of us that moved. We're like, well, we're going to make this show work <laughs> with only three people. We're taking a show that was, that was made for like seven or eight people, whittle it down and, and make it work with three people. And I, and I was like, well, once we get to LA, I'm, I'm sure we can find a Latino improviser that we can add. And, but then Ava, Ava came out from Chicago, Ava Rios. So she played Judge Booty, which who's a judge with a big butt. It was like Judge Judy and, and, you know, handed down sentences. So she came out, she, she, she made the move to, to, L, to LA. And so now our group was, you know, two guys, two girls, and I'm sorry, two women, 
two men and I, it was so it started it started filling out and we're like okay and i think that's how we ran uh how we ran the show and then occasionally like uh and unfortunately uh, uh she passed away uh one of our members you know she would come out uh, sandra chavez she would come out um from and played with us a few times and, and you know and so if people came out to la they had a home so we changed the name to barrio speedwagon so that was so south station became barrio speedwagon, barrio speedwagon? you get yes you get it a lot of people get it a lot of the young people just look at you blankly like oh, okay what's that like oh okay other people are laughing they're like why are they laughing i'm like well because there was a group named ario speedwagon and barrio rhymes with that so that's actually they're funny from illinois they got together they are, at, from uh, what university of illinois they were all going to school in champagne oh you yeah, know I'm, I'm thinking of cheap trick yes yes yeah, yeah exactly yeah. yeah i don't know anything about cheap trick i don't know where they came from they don't send me a birthday card i don't really talk to those guys anymore <laughs> in fact i never talked to them okay i have an injunction from the court i can't go within 50 feet of them but that's not the point makes perfect sense but yeah ario speedwagon well you know what's funny is some of the jokes, I still write jokes, mainly for other people, uh, but you, you know how it is. You're kind of always on show. And when I tell some things, and there's some dad jokes is what I'm, now I'm older, that, you know, you, somebody younger will be, oh, you got the best dad jokes. Shut up. But they, I will tell a joke, and it's not passing generationally. You know, I'll play on words like Barrio Speedwagon, and they're like, yeah, I don't get it. <laughs> you know, there's a, a joke, and I, 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 I didn't, it was, I don't even know whose it is. And this will probably get some people offended, but who cares? It was, uh, you know, I, I love Canada. I grew up there. My dad was stationed there the whole time during the Vietnam War. And people are going, I don't, I, okay. And you're like, no, see, Vietnam can't and they're just you're like okay i gotta start updating my yeah, yeah, my little yeah, lines yeah. there it. yeah yeah now my other one is i always yeah. like the, the sign that uh, driving around saw a sign that said drink canada to dry i went up there and tried and they're Funny. going i don't i don't get it well canada dry is a it's a ginger ale uh and uh yeah, I mean it's it's yeah you're right it's generational it's so so I yeah I, I and, and I think about it like I wonder if we did do our show again if if any of the sketches would still play and I think that we were we were so good at them that that I mean I've watched it you know I've watched that that documentary on YouTube the Salsation documentary and some of those sketches. I'm 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 still cracking up at them because I we had the timing down it was perfect, like one of our sketches was who wants to be an American citizen, because who wants to be a millionaire was a popular show at the time, and it was basically the more questions you answered, the more uh, rights you could have up to like full blown American citizenship for whomever and of course the Indian guy won because he's you know Indians are very smart, and uh, you know but he was wearing a turban and he was you know sitting like a snake charmer. You know, I think that I think they'd still play when you have that that routine, that sketch, that that bit that you know is so solid. I think it would still continue to play. If you look at some of the old guys, I was just uh, after I finished watching your commercials on YouTube, 
I, one of those, you just, the sidebars, so I started clicking. There was old Bob Newhart stuff on there that was just hilarious. And then I found, which I think everybody should go see, uh, look it up on YouTube, is Jonathan Winters, Jack Parr, and The Stick. Have you ever seen that? Yes, yeah. What a genius improv with a stick, right? I mean. Right, yeah. I mean, he gave what? Yeah, Jonathan solid... Winters was the master of improv. Oh. Oh, very much so. Very much so. But I like some of the old, uh, the old classic comedians like that. Uh, one of my favorites uh, that I loved as a kid and thought he was just, and he was, I think, clean. He did a lot. He just passed away. It was Shelley Berman. Sure. Uh, I just, those kind of routines, I miss that kind of stuff too. But I think if you had what you guys did, uh, I think those sketches would still play. I think they I th still would. I, th I think that they would, and, and I, I would, you know, I would pray that, uh, and maybe that's a strong word, that that people would be a little bit lenient and forgiving, like, oh, well, yeah, well, hey, this was great in the late 90s and the early 2000s, <laughs> and it brought us out to L.A., and it, when we did the show, like, instantly, we, we, we pretty much got representation right away, you know, we, we got a, a manager, we, we, got, we got an agent that signed us across the board, so... You know, but it also taught me, you know, they, they play the little game of, well, have you guys, have you guys uh, signed with anyone? We're like, no. Are you talking to anyone? Yes, we're talking. Well, don't sign with anyone. Okay, so you're ready to sign us? Well, no, not yet, but don't sign with anyone else. So, you know, they kind of play that little game that, of, of uh, you know, the which, options which I there. To, yeah, which is kind of still the case, you know, like, oh, we're, you know, are you talking to anybody else? I'm like, maybe, yeah. Yeah, I'm maybe because yeah, well, don't sign with object is to get signed. But well, give know. me a pen, I'll sign. Well, okay, I'm ready. If you're ready, I'm ready. Yeah. So, so, um, but yeah, I would. I, I hope that maybe one day we can do a reunion show with the new members of Salsation, and and you know if they'd be willing to to do something like that, I think it would be a fun thing. Whether oh, we I think do it would be fun. L.A. Now they're Vegas, still in so Chicago. Like, Twenty years later, with still Salsation. Yeah. Yes. And what happened with the guys in, with you guys in LA then? Well, I mean, you know, we, we ended up doing the show. We actually even performed, I think, at the at the Belly Room at the Comedy Store, and that was like surreal. We were like, we went in and and had a meeting with them, and they were like, yeah, we'd love to have you guys, you know, do your show. But it it was sketch, so you know, the the Comedy Store is is a stand up venue. People go there yes. to see stand up, and it was a good show, but it wasn't by you know. I wasn't didn't blow the doors off the place but we were like oh my god we just got here we're in the belly room we're kind of in the mecca of stand-up and they've allowed us to do our show like this is fantastic uh you know we all just kind of started working and then i guess once the show had run its course we uh we started doing other people's shows i was doing the southpaw sam mccloskey show with, with sam crouppen where i played dirty sanchez because I think at the time I was kind of, I had long hair, not 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 a beard, but I had long hair, and uh, so I played a character named Dirty Sanchez on on his show that read uh, filthy poetry. But we'd bring a girl up, uh, we'd bring a young lady up, and she'd sit on my lap, and I'd bounce her around. Which I don't think we could do that anymore. I was gonna, yeah. That's you know that's maybe a no no, and um, so we kind of all just started working. I you know I started getting on Matt TV. Well, I booked a commercial first. I, I booked a uh, Del Taco, a, a, a campaign. So there, those were like seven or eight commercials where they were in Sp for Spanish Del Taco for Spanish TV. And 
I played Luisito, who was a burrito. In Spanish, burrito also means a dummy. So it's like a, a burrito that you eat, but also burrito can be a dumb person. So I was like my good looking cousin who was in shape and physically, you know, like a, a physical, like a model type guy. And I was his dumb cousin. And so we got into all these misadventures. So we, 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 we did the uh, Del Taco commercials and, and people recognize me. I've, I, I mean, I was uh, in the valley at a bowling alley in, in the valley uh, in LA there. And I, I, I had to go to the restroom and they had doors that were, I guess they did like, I guess, so you wouldn't just hang out in the bathroom or do drugs or something. So I sat down to, to do my business and I'm trying to make myself small. And, but as people would walk by, they could just look right in and they could see you doing your business. And this Latino guy walks by and, and he kind of stopped and it kind of like, kind of came back and peeked in again. I'm like, Oh, what's going on here? Why is this guy checking me out? Then he goes to the urinal right next to the toilet and I'm in, I'm in the stall, but you know, there's that little half door and all of a sudden he starts going, Luisito making a burrito. <laughs> Luisito making a burrito. He did it like three times. He knew comedy because he did rule of threes, didn't speak English very well, but knew, knew the rule of threes, said it like three times. And it was how embarrassing. It's like, wow, I get recognized while I'm on the dumper. And and it was it was so it was nice to be recognized, sure, but not what well, not necessarily in in that time and place though. No. Uh, but still, you got recognized. And I would walk in. I would walk into Del Tacos, and you know, because I think they they gave us coupons and stuff that, or a card. I forget what it was, but and then, and you'd see everybody start talking like, oh, is that that's the guy from the commercial? Like, and then we were in Vegas. My, my brother came for a visit, and I think that's when he realized like, oh, okay, he's actually doing some work uh we pulled up to, to one of the casinos I, and i got out of, i went to pick up my brother from the airport uh because he was meeting us out there and and the the the, the valet the he was like oh lucito and, you know so it was nice to be recognized my, and for my brother to see it that's when i was kind of like like validation like okay like i'm not just out here messing around i'm actually getting some work and then after that was a, a campaign for cricket cricket communications uh, and then that famous Netscape Navigator video where I photocopy my butt. Yes, that is hilarious. I show that to my son. He taught me how to put YouTube on the on the big screen TV now and everything. And and I was showing him some of the things. So we were talking about it, and um, I said, "This is the guy I wanted to have come on. He's coming on." And and I said, "You got to see this one bit." And he just, he gets that, obviously for me, his mom's got a great sense of humor too, but he gets that slapstick that he, and I think it's a guy thing more than anything, just sure that physical comedy. And just, he goes, that's the guy. And I'm like, yeah, he goes, oh, you guys are going to be fine. You'll do good. Perfect. Yeah. 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 If anyone wants to see it, you go, you go to uh, uh, YouTube and Paul Vato, copier busted. Oh, and then, and then also early in that time, that's when I, I auditioned for Bold and the Beautiful. And I never were on, you were on, I got it in here and I'm just so mesmerized by this beard and lovely mustache that you have. I can't take my eyes off the screen to sneak. Plus I have to do this anymore now. I'm getting to that point. I love the dollar store. Nobody's ever going to steal these from me. People are like, you got girls glasses. I'm like, you ain't going to steal my glasses. 
but I got to look down. Right, you were on The Bold and Beautiful, right? Yes. How yeah, long were I'm you on that a for? Bad guy. Because I was not. I was. I, I'm going to be tell you. I was never a soap opera guy. Neither uh, was I. How did, and you ended up on there. How, how did that happen then? So you're out there. You got the audition. I got the audition, and I remember I was suffering from a horrific, either a backache. I don't think my gout had acted up because sometimes that can be debilitating. Uh, but I remember I had a horrific backache, so I took like 10 or 12 uh, uh, Advils, and I was miserable. So I kind of like limped. I, I limped. I remember, for one thing, you know, always be nice to people because it's that whole thing where you never know who, you, who, who you're meeting. But as I walked Up in, I had the door open for a lady. Uh, she walked in. I was like, good day, whatever. You know, I was just being nice. Turned out I think she was one of the casting you know, people. She was in the room where I auditioned, but either way, I was very nice to her. But I was miserable, and I literally said, I honestly just want to get this over with. I don't care if I get it or not. I got to get back home and get back into bed because my back is killing me. So maybe that was part of it, just the nonchalantness of, I don't care. Like, let's just do this audition and get it over with. But I remember my agent got, you know, she got me the audition. She was like, hey, uh, they're, they're looking for Latinos for Bold and the Beautiful. I mean, it's not comedy, but I was like, yeah, I would love to do it. Why not? You know, it was like, it's like comedy, just don't make anyone laugh, right? <laughs> I, they, it, you know, which, which is, I'm not a dramatic actor, or I didn't even consider myself an actor at the time. But I was, I'm an improviser, you know. So I, I auditioned and said a few words in Spanish, and you know, I think they liked that I, that I, because they, they were like, "Can you do this in, like, uh, in Spanish?" And I was like, "Do you want Mexican Spanish, Cuban Spanish?" They're like, "Uh, just Spanish." And I was like, "Yeah, perfect. Yeah, I can do that. No problem." And uh, got the role, and I mean, we were—it was—we worked for a couple months. I mean, so I was—I was on, for, I think, for about well, maybe it was—it was more more like like four or five, like five weeks, maybe, because we we ended up doing five, ten, like fifteen episodes. I feel like because uh, uh, even if I wasn't on the episode, they they would still have you there for the full week, I guess, because they wanted to make sure that that you know. That you didn't cut your hair, or you know, that you were getting paid for, the, for even if you weren't really working. So if you weren't in the script, if you weren't in the script that 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 show, you were still there, and you're still getting paid. Yeah. Yes. Where do I sign Be up? Because because you would come back tomorrow to do your part, and I have a feeling it's because they don't want you to take another gig. Oh sure. Yeah. You know, so they don't I can I can do a no show job real well. Just give me one line, <laughs> yeah. I'll stand around all week. You know where I'll be. I'll be at the craft Prefer table. Prefer I'll, I'll be I'll be over there. Yeah. I will I will I will meet you at your trailer. I will I blatantly take people's food. I don't care. They if they say anything, you're like, like, oh, I'm getting it for Paul. I'm, I'm, I'm his, getting it I'm for Mr. Vato. For Mr. Mr. Vato. I'm yes. Mr. Vato's Mr. food wrangler. Yeah, food wrangler. There you go. I've done enough jobs in my life. Why not be a food wrangler too? I'd be, be good a food at wrangler. It. Yeah, I'm a food wrangler. Um so yeah, so so bold, and then I guess around that time, uh, Matt TV, you know, my, my friends were getting on the show, and so we, we would just get invited to go and hang out with our. We were kind of like the the Chicago crew, so like Ike Barinholtz, and 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 then later on, uh, Key and Peel, Jordan Peel, and sure. Michael Key. But first, it was Ike Barinholtz and Josh and Josh Myers, Seth Seth brother seth myers from, okay from the talk show can, can the, i get a little more show. coffee would you mind she's over there she's nodding off 
White's Snappy Bigman Coffee. You know, it's great coffee, just saying. Thank you. And if you were to smoke a cigar with it, what kind of cigar would it be? I would be smoking a Vato cigar, uh, probably the Twister. It's a great uh, cigar, the Twister. You know, what I got, you know what's funny? I got these here. Now, this, this is one, because this guy's going to come on our show. Uh, Scott Biancardi is a friend of mine, and he owns STL Cigars. Uh, this is his uh, little one that he does. I brought the, just to gig him because I'm going to charge him for this later. I'm going to charge him $8.14. I'll send you the other 50 cents off the dollar profit we make. So we've already monetized this podcast. But, uh, yeah, I w- you know what? We've, we've talked about uh, having to take this on the, on the road somewhere where I can actually, because we can't smoke in the studio, and it kills me. I've had some of the best conversations over with a cigar and coffee. Mm-hmm. I'll listen to you all day long. Unless you're boring as shit, then you know, <laughs> I'll do the old. Uh, hold on, I gotta, I gotta go. It's my mom. Ah, I gotta know, go. But no, I gotta go. But uh, I wonder how we're doing on time. Oh, we're doing. We're way over on time. So uh, back to Mad TV. You guys were all going out there. Uh, you were getting on that. How 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 long were you on that show? Well, it, it's it's always because it was hit and miss. You, know, you were and, you were again, just full, kind of did fill in pieces, right? You were in certain yeah, sketches, yeah. And, I mean, but it got to the point where and somebody told me they're like, "Yeah, I pitched you to be in a sketch." They're like, "No, we can't have him because we just had him last week on something." And that's what I was kind of like, "Well, why don't you guys just hire me? Like, I should just be a member of the cast because I was already there every Friday." Well, anyway. I was going to say again, that, it was you know not not taking away from Mad TV, but they do that on SNL or they did for a while where you would have your cast members you're you know that opening credits and then there was always that featuring and they would have several people i would have been happy with that but so it was basically you know so we were kind of like the the gang that came from chicago and you know ike and and josh were very prolific writers so they were you know they were getting a lot of stuff so they kind of had clout so you know everybody else had their friends hanging out so why couldn't they so we were just part of that chicago crew and they even uh there's a guy named chris Kluse who's a, a brilliant writer and he we, uh un- uncle uncle chris we called him but he'd see us he goes, oh the chicago mooch is on because it's as soon as we get there we're hungry so we'd go right to craft service right to the craft it's table. A recurring theme it's amazing yeah. how it goes full circle all the time I mean, and it could be that I didn't get hired because I, I did go up to one of the producers of the show, uh, and I can't remember if it was Dick Blasucci or David Saltzman, who was like the owner of the show. He and he and Quincy Jones owned, or I, I don't, it was a QED thing, so it was a Quincy Jones Entertainment uh, show, but I think David Saltzman was also an owner, and I can't, for the life of me, remember if I, and I feel like I did it to him because he was the one that didn't really laugh and smile that much, and I go, hey, there's a problem, and he was like, what? Uh, I think it was Dick Blasucci because I think he smiled, and uh, I was like, "Hey, there's a there's a big problem on the set." He goes, "What?" I go, "You you guys are out of Choco Tacos in the freezer." You're <laughs> ice cream, and he goes, he just looked. I think it was Dick Blasucci because he played along. He was like, just shook his head and was like, "Yeah, okay, okay, Vada, we'll take care of that right away." <laughs> that I just thought it was funny, you. you know. It is funny, but uh, no, you, you know, but they were always looking at at the bottom line. So it wasn't like they were just going to bring in anybody right. into that show. Bobby Lee even talks about that. You, you know, 
the, they, they were very tight with and, and as the show went on they got tighter and tighter until the show was gone but so from like 2004 maybe 2005 to like 2007 or 8 or you know around there and it was maybe two or three times a season that they'd have me on but I was I was there every Friday anyways because then afterwards we would just go and hang out at uh, one of the restaurants or one of the bars in Hollywood with with the crew and then it was nice to go work on, on Cedric because they shot at the exact same studio. Uh, so I, for a while there, then when I went to do Cedric's show, a few episodes of that, they were kind of like, Where, where's Paul? Like, and, and then I'd show up. But, and then after that, Cedric had some much better parties. They had like, and he smoked cigars. Oh yeah, um, I, I actually uh, got a chance to meet with Cedric when I was still in the cigar business uh, and one of the shops downtown, uh, St. Louis, he had come, we know, you know, he's from St. Louis, uh, came in. They wanted the company I worked for at the time to, he wanted to come out with a cigar. Uh, what didn't do it for us was that he wanted us to rep that cigar also. So it wasn't, but he was, he was a lot of fun to sit around and, and, and shoot the shit with and uh, just get to hang out afterward at the meeting and stuff. Very cordial. I always liked his stuff. Uh, and the fact that I was a little jealous, he actually got to do a movie with Lucy Liu. I was like, ah, oh. that's right. yeah. But he was—he is such a giving man. You know, a lot of people that have their own show, it's—it's it's about me. It's my show. It's the Cedric sure. show. It's about Cedric. You know, I get all the laughs. He was very giving. Like he would make sure because I would just have like a small part. And he would make sure that everybody that was even just there, like as a day player, that even that they would get a laugh, you know. And, and especially then the, the people that like uh, uh, Amy Amy Brissett, I think is her name. She, uh, she was uh, she was a regular. JB Smoove was on the show, mm -hmm. and uh, Sean Majumdar, who's Canadian uh, from uh, some Asian or Indian ethnicity. Uh, Canadian guy, so they definitely all got last. But then, so would we if we were just even if we were doing a small little part. And um, so he, I was always grateful that that he was that giving with his love, you know, for everybody, right? To, 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 to let everybody have a a little moment to shine in there, which I think is great. I've had the yeah, opportunity just, to meet. He knew it made the show better, you know, not just like oh he should have all the laughs. And and a lot of people are like that. Well, it's my show. Let me get all the laughs. But no, he was he was he was not like that. But his parties were so much better that even if I wasn't like I would hang out at Matt TV, and then when I knew that that their show was done, you know, was at the building over, I would I would <laughs> I would leave. You would Matt just TV zip and over go, and yeah, and I was even go, on guys, the show. I'm, like I was. Ian Cedric, like, I'll, I'll, I'll be back. Go, where are you going? I'll go. I'm going to. God, what did he call it? Just the after party, Club Cedric. I think it was Club Cedric is what it was. And man, it was just booze filled. You know bottles of Hennessy, cigars. So I was like, yeah, I'm, I, I gotta, I'll, I'll be back. So I would leave the Matt TV because they weren't really partying. You know, we would do it off property, but not Cedric, man. Right there. Go, go the, up to his uh... office. And then they were like, are you on the show this week? I'm like, no, I was just over at Matt. They're like, okay, come on in. Come on in. <laughs> it's like, all right. Nice. Very nice. Yeah, we're going to have to hang out in person more often. Me and you. Oh, I can't wait. We'll get there. I'm going to try to get out to um, 
Las Vegas. Yes, I know where you're at. Uh, well, you're part-time in Las Vegas, or I guess full-time, most of it, but you're doing stuff in, in L.A. again, right? Yeah. You're well, starting to? Well, that's the plan. I, I've been auditioning for a lot of, of voiceover stuff, which is nice because I can just do it from home. Um, and I'm setting up a better studio. I, I have a studio good enough to, for, for, uh, to do auditions, for, to submit auditions, but I really want to want to work on the studio so that if need be, I can actually do the the finished product at home and you know over Source Connect, which I believe is what they're using in the industry now, so that we can sit like this live and it's a, 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 an amazing connection. And you give me directions live, and then you get the product. Or you, you control take over my computer, and we record everything. And 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 it's a good enough microphone that that it's it's ready for airplay. So I've been doing that and. I, I think that my new agent is waiting for me to get to add some headshots bef before he really starts submitting me. You know, so I've only been with him a couple of weeks. So okay, you know, I think this that's is the a plan. new relationship. It's a new it's yes, developing. Yes. Yeah, I know. I need to get some new headshots done. And I ask people, and I'm like, and they're like, why? I'm like, just because I'm egotistical. I just want to have my headshots. I just want to yeah. sign them and stuff like that. Anyway, listen, I'm gonna let's wrap this up for now. Wait. I know we've been going. Thank you so much for your time. Uh, we will continue. I know we've got some guests lined up. We just gotta finalize some things. It's kind of weird doing this as far apart as we are. We've uh, done well, uh, but yeah, we'll get uh, a set time so we can uh, keep this going. And uh, we'll line some people up. I know you have some folks in mind that you'd like to invite yes. on the show. I have some folks. Uh, we have some common uh, crossover, shall we say, or connections that are kind of, uh, I'm not going to say unusual, but it, it's either from the comedy or from cigars. It's just such a small world that as we talk about folks. We'll bring some of those guys on. So I'm going to... Bid you adieu, fine sir. We'll wrap this first episode up of the, wait. I didn't know you did a logo. You said you did the logo for Salsation? Yeah, but it was basically, you know, finding the right font and then putting it in a circle. And you didn't tell me that, though. I, so I'm standing here with a marker and a pen so I can, you yeah. know, or pa pen and paper and do this, which, you know, <laughs> is as the logo until I can save some more money from my paper route to pay a professional to do it and i could have just asked you yes yes so send me the information the you know so send me a copy of, of, of your sign and I'll, I'll see if i can slap something together and if you like or if we can always use it and then replace it when when when, when this goes viral and oh we get of course all of our yes bigger yes. sponsors yes i may i may just you know what we may i'm going to put this in the archives right away so years from now we look back at how it all started that's uh, it when I'm at one of Paul's parties afterwards, I'll, I, I will parties. be the I will be the monitor. I will just you know I usually get invited to parties when they need somebody to serve drinks or park cars. That's the only way I get into the Hollywood good set. I'm, you know, so when I'm actually there as a guest with you, it'll be unbelievable. I'll have this framed and present it, and we'll make again just a wonderful time right here. You could have made it. the damn logo writing stuff like <laughs> this. You know, somebody's sitting there going, he's such a cheap bastard. And he had to get a logo. 
I figure we just, you know, and, and then they tell me that we have to have intro and outro music. I'm thinking, who can I steal that from before after it gets a hold of me? Right, just, you know, right, just, right, right. Can't uh, I just take a certain segment, like, before I have to pay? I feel like it, it is, but it's like three seconds or something crazy, like three seconds, five seconds. So we'd have oh, is that all it is? It's like, intro. hey, and here's the show. Ben, here, here we go. And here we go. Well, I'll just reach out to some of my other creative friends. Yeah. Actually, I've reached out to them. Now, when they see this, they'll feel guilt, and they'll come through. Well, wonderful. How, how long do when, when do you think it'll be ready? Is, is the studio going to edit it? As yeah, well? studio's going to edit this down uh, pretty much, I think, tomorrow or the day after. I'll talk, to, uh, I'll talk to the guy, the guy, Chris Denman. He's giving me name mentions, so I'll throw one back to him, you know goes both ways but midco studio will get this done we'll be able to put that up uh we'll have it on facebook we'll have it on youtube we'll have it on all the uh podcast channels and everything else so i'm going to say again adieu my friend thank you so much for coming on paul this has been a, a wonderful time i could go for hours and hours more but i only got a 20 dollar bill and i got to pay the 714 and i need bus perfect. fare so we're good to that perfect um we will be back again we're not sure exactly when uh we will pick up because there is so much that you have done uh we just avoid i, I really want to know how you end up in vegas I, that's that's the teaser i want to know how you end up in vegas and i'm not sure actually she hasn't come back with my coffee so they either ran out or she broke my cup it's I'm a sign. Sure she's like, you're she... done, sir. You've had that's enough. what pretty much she's like. He won't shut up anyway. And of course, I would like to ask you your story. So, so oh, yeah. I know we could go on well, forever. Thank you. So, so I think we have the next three or four episodes tied up. Yep. But, uh, but yeah, we, we can definitely bring some guests in. How, however you want to do this. I, I'm loving this. So thank you so much for the opportunity. Oh, no, no. Great. I'm, I, I, it's like I, I'm just look at this. I get so choked up again. It's just it's just so exciting. It. It's so much fun. No, but thank you so much. Yeah, we'll have those talked up. We'll talk about us. Of course we'll talk about us. Why wouldn't we? Why wouldn't we? Yeah, exactly. Uh, no, we'll get some good guests in here and everything else. We'll, like I say, you know, it's funny. It goes back to the improv uh, background. It's like, you know, we talked a couple times before we actually recorded this today, and it was kind of like, yeah, we'll figure it out. Yeah, we'll figure yeah. out what works. It'll get there. But... It was a great time. Thank you. And then uh, till next time. Yes, sir. All right. So this has been. Shape. What's that? Thank you. I might, Thank I you. Might be, uh, you might not recognize me. I might be back to my. You might be. Uh, yeah. You're probably booking a gig, you know, probably picking out what part of the sidewalk to put the you know, your little star in Hollywood. I get it. I get it. <laughs> I. But the one thing I like about you is I know no matter what happens, I will run into you somewhere and I know you won't snub me. Not like some of those other Never. people I know. You'll always give me the, you always give me the sub. That's, a, that's what I like. Well, don't snub me. Don't ever snub me. Thank anyway, you. hey, thank you, sir. Um, I will talk to you soon. We will be back together again soon on the Just Saying Everyday Conversations podcast with Snappy Bigman and Paul Vato. Until next time, I do.